Like I've I've been brushing it and then like half my hair fell out on one side and that's why I cut it really short. And one side of my head is like way thinner than the other. That's why they shave the back of my head. That's I'm part like, you have less brain in. Welcome to the cop on where we make sense of things you probably don't care about with the hefty side of lukewarm social critique. I'm Lucy and I reuse the blood of my enemies as a lip tint. I'm Ash and I've reused the same underwear since 95. I'm Julia and the only thing fast about my fashion is the lightning strikes on the side of my runners. Woo! So today's topic is sustainability because we are three sustainable queens. We are reducing, reusing, recycling. Three is the magic number. Call me the repack girl. Um, but first, we want to talk about the very, very sad death of someone we were speaking about recently. Our favourite racist, Prince Philip. Sad times. All I, just feel, I do feel like we might have jinxed it. Like, I, OK, no, we didn't. Because everybody was saying <laughs> they jinxed it. He was just so old. And we're not making fun of him. We're just saying... So when me and my housemate were talking about it when it happened, and I was like, rest in peace. He was like, not in peace. And I was like, rest <laughs> don't even like just perpetually can't get to sleep for the rest nah, right. like who gives a shit just yeah. be gone I just love the the outrage of like Fox News tried to suggest it that was the interview that sent him over the edge Pierce Morgan apparently has said the same thing and like we all saw the photo of him in the car he looked like a reheated corpse so <laughs> I don't think it was the whole the world man? talking about just it was 99 yeah man was 99 yeah, was 99. Like, 99 years of age aren't you good at that Can... he didn't get his letter for being 100 from the queen <laughs> his cousin and wife <laughs> his cousin wife <laughs> do you see Lana Del Rey's post yes I fucking did the comments in Lana's as everyone is being like please you make it so hard for us to be fans of you mm. <laughs> Fern Cotton left it my favourite part was Fern Cotton leaving a heart I was like Fern, read a room. Yeah, it's true. because anyone that is British or like related to that, and even if they don't really care too much about the Queen and the royal family, is like I have to put on this facade. This is like the death of England or something. And it's like no, um, an old man, a, re- a really old man who was actually a big giant racist and was part of a really horrific monarchy, um, has kicked the bucket and. You don't need to stop the ads. You don't need to be leaving hearts and all these cringy messages. You just need to get on with your life. No offense. He didn't kick the bucket. He wouldn't have had the energy. <laughs> he left the bucket fall over. <laughs> <laughs> One of them, because like DMX obviously died the same day in RIP to DMX. DMX um, really good. Genuine miss RIP to DMX, X. even though he was a horrible homophobic man, but a regular rapper. So had some yes. talent and that we can recognize him for, <laughs> unlike yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, but uh, one of my friends was like, uh, Prince Philip and X, go and give it to God. And I was like, if Prince Philip has made it to heaven, then there is 100% hope for every other single person on this land. Mm. <laughs> like, I sadly no. don't think DMX made it to heaven either. Like, I don't, I think on that day, Shay Healy, that guy that my dad was talking about, who did, I think he was the, I don't know, he's some music guy, I think. Anyway. Shay Healy went probably went to heaven. All Irish people go to heaven. Well, except for Conor McGregor. But <laughs> oh yeah, okay, fine. 
fine. You mean British you. MMA star Conor McGregor? <laughs> yeah, sorry, Julia. British <laughs> MMA sorry, star. Sorry, thank you Conor for correcting McGregor. me. Thank you for correcting me. And also, all British politicians that sit for uh, Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael. <laughs> and maybe even the Greens. Speaking of the Green Party, sustainability. That's the topic of today. I suppose for all three of us, this has been a topic we want to cover for a while. Because it's something that I think we all strive for. None of us would say we're experts at it at all. Um, but I think it's something that's important in my life. It's something that I do think of every single day. So for me, I'd be like, okay, well, if I do my bit, I'm by no means someone to like, I don't think I'm someone to give advice on the topic per se. She says that she about, she's about to sit down to give advice on the topic. But it's not something I don't think of. And thus, I think I can be an authority on it. How do you guys feel? Big fans of sustainability and sustainability practices. Similarly, it's something that I take into consideration every day and in a lot of my actions. And I don't always hit the mark. I'm not always capable of, of being as perfect as I want to be. Um, but perfection isn't possible in a capitalist system, as we all know. So it's just a case of like doing my best and trying to figure things out. Um, and I really enjoy that I have so many friends who are people that are, like we're all sort of like doing the same thing but potentially have different areas of expertise or knowledge or things that we're like more interested in so you get to learn from like a wealth of people um and I just think it's just nice to be nice to the planet and the people and animals that inhabit on it so for me it just it makes sense it's like a logical path and I just wish it wasn't so damn hard <laughs> yeah I'm the same I think definitely over the years I've not become less sustainable like that's not it at all I think I've become more realistic sustainable um I think I definitely used to be way stricter on other people and on myself um and not realizing that actually the end user and the little like us like just a normal person um doesn't really contribute as much as larger corporations and and you do need to take that into account and I mean, just reuse, reducing, reusing your recycling is never going to, um, like completely save everything. Like we need to like hit companies differently. This is just kind of like going all airy fairy, but you know, um, there's definitely barriers to sustainability that I've only learned of yeah. in the last few years, um, with more research. And that's what I mean. I'm just kind of like smarter. And I realize that not everyone can be sustainable the way that I can be sustainable due to like money or my size or other things like that um but again as you said it's just like the way I that makes sense to me to live my life like I I wouldn't it was wouldn't be me if I was constantly like making loads of waste or not shopping sustainably because that's the way that I like to live but definitely my opinion has changed on like that not everyone has to do it the same way that I do because no one can, not everyone can. And also we need to be hitting corporations and going to like governments and stuff as well to get the change that's actually going to make the huge difference that we need. Very, 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 very true. And in this episode, we are going to be thinking about it from uh, a more intersectional um, viewpoint. We'll be talking about kind of the barriers to, as you mentioned, the barriers to being living a very specific sustainable life that would be very, I don't know, privilege centric nearly. Um, and we are fully, I am fully aware of the privilege I have and that I can afford five euro cleaning soaps instead of cheaper ones. Although 
they are good and they last a very long time. But I also understand my privilege, okay? Okay? So, I think in general, sustainable has become kind of a buzzword. It feels like it's kind of lost a bit of meaning recently. Uh, and it seems to kind of be a bit of a marketing term. So I know, like, you've heard of the phrase greenwashing, haven't you, ladies? My yes. fellow ladies. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I think I'm seeing, like, I feel like in the last year, especially during COVID, I think people thought this was a good time to kind of learn more about sustainability because it is like it's much easier to make these things that are maybe time consuming when you start doing it, like properly drying out your recycling or something. It's much easier to come around to it when you've got a lot more time to do it. So I think maybe, well, as a marketer, yeah, we did cop on to that as um, as the bad guys. <laughs> that People were caring more about sustainability. But yeah, I've been seeing a lot more greenwashing personally. Yep. At the same time, when we're all trying to do our bit, the clearer the goal, the better. Um, and as these big companies start co-opting what is sustainable, it seems to get more unclear as we go on. When it comes to sustainable shopping, as we've mentioned, we are by no means experts, but we've done the research to help you cop on to a bit of sustainability in your wardrobe and in your life bits. Your life bits. Um, so let's talk about secondhand vintage. Secondhand vintage is probably for clothes. When it comes to sustainable clothing, that's where I got my, that's where I came to grips with more sustainable clothing because when I was much younger, like there, there was no way I was affording like a 90 euro pair of jeans back then. So it was kind of the only option I had and it was when vintage was a little bit cheaper. But how about you guys? Would you guys shop secondhand? Do you guys shop vintage? For clothes? No. <laughs> um, I'm a more plus size gal. I find it really, really difficult to find things um, in my size. Like I would love to get especially things like jeans and stuff like that because usually also brands like Levi and things like that which are more better quality like I don't necessarily want to buy new because I'm not sure if they're sustainable practices but if I could find them secondhand in my size cool sure why not um but I still find it very difficult also I think in Ireland the secondhand vintage market is very much tailored to a certain aesthetic and to a certain look especially if you're talking about like right now we can only access it online and so it's even more limited i have recently gotten very into like secondhand furniture so i've like i've i have a load of furniture that i got from my grandmother when she passed away and then i got like two massive armchairs that are gorgeous for like 20 quid um so in that respect i'll absolutely go secondhand would be my first choice if i'm getting bits for the house but i just can't find stuff that's like my size and that i like and that is comfortable um so that's not really been super accessible to me yet. I hope that that will change. Well, that's something that we're going to touch on. What we've I've quoted it as uh, the size problem in our notes. But it's obviously a huge problem with sustainable, but with secondhand and vintage, and also the aesthetic thing as well. But to be fair, I don't think that's true of all vintage. But you're right. In Dublin, it seems to be such a big thing. Interestingly, on the Levi's front, now I'm not sure if it's available in Ireland, but Levi's have a website. For secondhand, they resell Levi's from themselves. So they probably have a, a wider size range. If that's something I have that anybody wants to look into. <laughs> oh, you have? And I'm pretty sure when I looked, they just didn't have anything that was high rise at all. <laughs> I was just like, what? Oh, they didn't. Yeah, it was all. I also looked <laughs> and it was all low rise. So yeah. I'm just waiting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm Me and you are wait. waiting game. <laughs> we'll find our time. Yeah. We'll find our time for the Levi's wholesale thingy. <laughs> um, I love charity shops. I have been shopping them for for years i'm the same with the furniture like my apartment is literally next door is there nearly across the road from a very giant um 
Oxfam Home. So our entire apartment is furnished by Oxfam Home. And it's great because uh, that's the good thing about vintage and, and secondhand is you're getting a lot of pieces that are no longer... Not, I'm not going to say not in style because they still are stylish and they still look good, but they're not adhering to the trends. Um, so, you know, you get things that a lot of people don't really have anymore. So they're quite unique, which is great. And that's what I really like about it. Uh, but I do agree with in terms of clothing. The, like I'm I'm lucky I'm a, I'm a size 10. I'm, I fit into all of the clothes. Not Well, not all of the clothes, but a, a good majority of clothes that are in charity shops. Um, I find like actual charity shops tend to have better sizes than these like secondhand curated vintage shops which I have a really big problem with quite like 90% of them I think that they overcharge I mean I've seen Nike t-shirts that I could pick up in a charity shop for a fiver selling for 35 to 40 euro and they're they're just plain Nike shops tops uh so in that term Daphne Dublin does have a problem where curated vintage is is just really inaccessible to many people because of price and sizing. Um, and also some of it's, no offense, kind of naff when they just cut things up and make them into these pretty dirty little co <laughs> Sometimes they're really cute. Sometimes they're really cute. But Sometimes I naff. personally find them naff. Because I know some yeah. people rock it. It's just not for me. I think we're kind of outside of the age group if we're honest with ourselves. Probably. But like, there's. I hate saying that I'm jealous of America for anything, but I am jealous yes. of America for their thrift Actual shops. Actual thrift stores. Oh my yeah, god, true. Mm. So although, uh, sorry, I am going to make the argument for the Irish Chaza. Although I did take that from those girls. I don't like it, girls. Um, the Irish char- charity shop is not necessarily bad if you go to the right places. And I know that. So, <sighs> Lucy's about to be controversial. So when it comes to kind of accessibility and sustainability, a lot of people say that, especially when it comes to clothing, it's not something that everyone can do. I'm going to have to say I disagree from a pricing perspective sometimes when people say that they're priced out by vintage or not by vintage, by secondhand clothes. I'm like, charity shops are cheap. I've found some great stuff in charity shops. Sometimes you might be encountering like more than one barrier to secondhand shopping. For example, you might be a plus size person and you might also not have money to buy vintage. However, your secondhand shops, you're more likely to find clothing in your size and you're more likely to find it more affordable. However, you kind of have to have an open mind. And I think a lot of people aren't really keen on doing that it's a lot harder it takes a lot longer and I say that as someone who A has money and B is straight sized as they say in the fashion industry so I can only imagine it would be more difficult if you're not straight sized but it does take a little bit more effort but you can do it however if you're also time poor it's not really an option for you so I understand that I don't know maybe I think I'm just coming from a very privileged perspective but I don't take it as an excuse and we'll talk about the buying less movement and that will be the real solution. Um, yeah. So obviously vintage is a more curated solution on that. Because you have someone who's basically taking in the secondhand clothes and going, okay, well, this is actually vintage. Although I don't think I've seen anything that has been older than the noughties in years in the vintage shop. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely not. This is my issue specifically with vintage shops. It's that it's a not really vintage. <laughs> and... Or not what I would consider vintage, I guess. And then B, it's very much a specific style and it's a style that I don't particularly 
gravitate towards I think it's great people rock it absolutely go for it and then it's massively marked up smaller sizes like it's just become such a like a niche thing of being like oh you're one of the cool kids if you can do this if you can check all of these boxes and it's just keeping people out and like that's I don't not necessarily that that's like the aim of it but that's definitely it plays into a thing of being like you have to be a certain person to be able to do this and that that tells us something about who you are and for some reason like you are better or whatever than this um which annoys me and like I do I understand your point of like Charlie shops that they're they're way more accessible than people think they are but like I don't have the energy to go into a shop where I'm like the odds of me finding something my size is slim to none (laughs) and like it's something that my size and that I like and like I have to do that enough times in regular shops where I'm like oh I don't like I can't fit into this and this doesn't fit on me blah blah blah. and you feel like utter shit when you come out and like I'm not gonna put myself through that like I'm just not because my mental health at the end of the day needs to survive um in terms of pricing absolutely charity shops are the way to go they're definitely not that expensive um if you're avoiding vintage shops and you're going to charity yes that's it's often more accessible than a lot of fast fashion places but whether or not you're going to leave with a piece that like fits well and you like that's like there's such a spectrum there of who can actually do that even though they can be expensive sometimes it can be worth it to find a tailor near you or someone where you can even not so much as like okay i buy something it doesn't fit me but I have clothes and they need repairing. Like that's that's kind of like the best solution is that we don't take in anything else. Like there's literally like your wardrobe is what your wardrobe is and you don't take in anything else. You just repair or you kind of uh, make into something new, which is definitely not something that I think most people can like. It's very uh, kind of idealistic to say that of me, I think, Um you know, as much as I hate trends and I try and, and stay away from that, I like everyone has to realize that they play a huge, big part of fashion. Um, and that's kind of my other problem with charity shops and, and vintage not really being as accessible for some people, because then we put the burden of maybe okay, it's not even a burden. This is going to sound really whack, probably what I'm saying, but we're we're saying that because of your size or because you don't have enough money or because you don't have enough time you are not allowed to participate in these trends that are going on like you can't be involved in these because you can't afford or or something you know like you can't look this way because of that so you have to go about it a different way and I think that's just kind of whack and like we have to just remember that there's always these like there is always these trends and a lot of time you can find them in, in the charity shops. Um, it's why I just don't begrudge anyone who decides to shop from fast fashion anymore. Um, and like, I, I really don't like if someone is like, I, I like the way that this thing looks and I can't find it anywhere else um, because they've done it my size or whatever. And I want to go get it from Zara. I'm like, cool, if you will, if you'll buy that right there and then and you will have it forever, I, I'm not going to begrudge you. There is the difference when we get into this whole whole culture um but <laughs> it's it's one thing it's yeah it's like so like and this is again me being as i said that i'm less strict even on myself um you know i try and shop secondhand as much as i can but if i if i'm just like wandering through urban outfitters and i find one pair of pants and i buy those pants and then I wear them for fucking 10 years I am not as like hard on myself because it's one thing I'm not going in and buying like 
consistently, consistently. And that's a problem even with buying sustainably and buying from secondhand stores. Um, you know, you can, just because you're buying something that someone else has already worn or buying something that's been made a bit more ethically, you're still using a lot of materials. And at, at some point, these are going to end up as waste. So, yeah. There's a roundabout way of saying if you really need to buy from fast fashion, I understand, but try as much as you can not to. I personally begrudge people about like fast fashion the same way that I would about veganism, where I'm like, if you're if you are easily able to access this lifestyle and the only thing blocking you is just like, well, I prefer this because it's easier or like if it's a purely like selfish reason and you're indulging consistently and constantly and it's, it's haul and stuff like that, then I'm like, oh, I judge you a little bit. <laughs> like, eh, not great. That's it, yeah. That's I was making fun. You guys, it's not a visual medium, but the whole time when Ash was like, I don't begrudge someone buying fast fashion, I was looked like I had a lemon in my mouth. But you're right. I don't begrudge someone getting a top from Zara if they're getting like two tops a year. Halls I do. When someone has a shopping addiction and buys those of fast fashion, yeah. I'm like, no. Like my sister, love her dearly, but she's a devil for it. And the same with my mum. My mum one time argued, sorry, this has been, my mum is a really kind woman. I think sometimes she uses logic in a way that great scientists would only dream to think of. She said to me, I was talking, she was like, yeah, I got this from Zara. I was like, do you not feel in any way bad that children are making your clothes? And she was like, but Lucy, they're poor children. How are they supposed to support their families? I was like, mum, children aren't supposed to work. And she was like, but she was like, but society hasn't changed. So children still have to work. And I was like, so you want <laughs> in her brain? She's like, well, the children need food. And I mean, at that point she's not wrong we can't we can't say that that's wrong but her I was like no you need to send a message and she was like but I'm not going to make I'm not going to send a message and let the children starve and I was like it's impossible to argue with you because she's so convincing with her absolute (laughs) wrong logic but I think like that is how they get away with it you know it's it's a mixture of like the west not caring enough about the lives of other people and wanting access to things that they want access to at, at any cost and the ease of it being like well it's over there and we don't, we don't have to look at it we don't see it so therefore it's not really happening and then when you do sort of like scratch a little bit of the service it's a thing we're like well you know if we weren't here and providing these jobs what would they be doing and you're like are you kidding yeah <laughs> like that's yeah. not justification for slavery i know yeah that's but, like the that's sick what thing happens. that's how yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. justification yeah <laughs> For, for child labour. And I was like, mum, what if I had to? I started explaining to her and I was like, what if there is a woman on the other side of the world? And when I was a kid, I was making clothes for her. And she was like, well, if you needed the money. And I was like, oh. <laughs> but yeah, it's, I don't know. Do you know what? The individual isn't yes. at blame, but the individual is responsible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blame is always mm-hmm. going to come down to the the society it's not your fault if you've grown up thinking that material goods are the only thing that's going to make you happy no you've is been it? brainwashed not really bit. it's exactly everybody's been brainwashed uh you know duh. anyway sorry quickly before we get on to the brainwashing <laughs> of society <laughs> what an episode uh let's briefly touch on some of our favorite vintage shops because i have some also vintage in dublin used to be much more accessible this i can vouch for as a little 16 year old who get the bus in on the weekend it used to be way cheaper way much more variety and definitely mm. size variety i remember all these things 
But now it's things are different. So because vintage shops can now be this kind of a brand in themselves, yeah. like I'm not going to call anyone Minecraft. <laughs> <laughs> they kind of curate their aesthetic, etc. And their sizing. <laughs> they seem to curate their sizing pretty tightly. <laughs> Every time I'm in nine crows, I'm like, I am, as mentioned, straight size. And I'm like, this is, this is some Brandy Melville mm, shit. They, are, yeah. they may or may not be this the is... people who are selling Nike t-shirts for <clears throat> 35 euro. But uh, I didn't but say I think they both, they also have another one. Um, that's only online and it's more upmarket. They have more size, but it's no. Yeah. Oh, this, no, and this, they have they have more size. No, the sizing. No, their new brand. They have a new brand. No. Um, and it's oh. and the sizing is worse. Uh, where I struggle to find um things on it, and uh, I've do, I started I've started doing this thing now actually with online uh secondhand curated vintage, where I will if they leave the brand, I'll go onto eBay. Um or Depop, and I will look for that brand. eBay is actually really good for secondhand uh, clothing, and especially like older stuff that people think that they can get away with upping the price. And I'll compare it on eBay. So I mean, I using this new brand that uh, those people have made. Uh, there was this suit jacket, and it was going for about two hundred eighty euro, and uh, and I put it into ebay and it was a brand that you could get for about 50 euro like people's secondhand stuff like the markup is getting a bit ridiculous for some of these brands in dublin it's honestly just starting to irk me a lot now and i think it's it's really sad because the consumer just trusts that these people are curating things honestly Mm. and they're not that's why i kind of go for that's why one of my faves is always going to be lucy's lounge because the clothes actually look vintage it's not that they're necessarily high quality we all know they're not but you get like a nice blousey. You get like a nice leather jacket. You get weird shirts. And sometimes if you want to look like you wear vintage clothes, you need yeah. weird shirts, don't you? <laughs> like you need a, a pattern that you're like, you wouldn't find these days <laughs> in this side of the of the two decades we've been alive in. So yeah, I've always been a big fan of Lucy's Lounge. Um, also, my name's in it. So there's that. And there's a the dog on the shop that you walk into. So that's always cute. <laughs> Um, Shopa Ella, the second. Do you know what? If you are a fast fashion fiend and you're like, well, I like how fast fashion looks, and I can't find that in vintage stores or secondhand stores. Okay, well, well, Shopa Ella do a secondhand store that basically just does like last season fast fashion, but it's secondhand, so it's pretty much the exact same price as how it would be in Bershka, but it means you can buy Bershka clothes that someone wants to get rid of. So, I think it's like such a nice mm. happy medium. I go in there if I'm looking for like. A going out dress because you know when you get a going out dress you kind of need it to be like relatively fashionable if you're going to feel like this ex-bomb sometimes so that would be my one same price as your Bershka's it's the one that's <sighs> you know how there's like four Chauvelas in, in Temple Bar it's one of them it's not the designer so, one because there's the one that's only designer there's two yeah it's not the one that's only designer it's the one that's only fast fashion it's really small hmm. but it's good it's very well curated. Anyway, big fan of that. Uh, Shotzi was my favourite place. It closed down literally maybe in like 20... I don't know, like probably 2012. That's how long I've been vintage shopping. That was my OG. Everything was like genuine 1960s, 1970s, 1980s. I miss it so much and I just wanted to give it a shout out. Shotzi vintage, I hope you're okay. <laughs> um, obviously it was like pure polyester again because that's what they make clothes out of in the 80s. <laughs> uh, Dublin Vintage Factory. You do get bits there. You do yeah, get bits. I- 
I like they some of their stuff. And it's relatively it's like cheap. Like it's priced well. It's not insane prices. Yeah, I think it's reasonable. It used to be more reasonable, but it's still reasonable. Um, and Harlequin RIP, they will still they're still online as far as I believe, as far as I know. Good for like glitzy bits if you want those sequins. So like good if you're going to a ball and you want to look like Nicole Kidman in Moulin Rouge. <laughs> Very specifically. Um, so good for good for weddings, etc. As we were talking about, fast fashion has kind of led uh, people into a cycle of buying every single season um, or buying every micro season. So have you heard about this fast fashion in the last like few years? Have you noticed that it's not just like the SSAW? Suddenly it's like spring one, yeah. spring two, <laughs> summer one, summer two, summer three. <laughs> and it's, you know, with all these micro trends happening so frequently, it makes people feel like, as you said, if you want to be one of the cool gang, you have to buy every single micro trend. God forbid you wear a check jacket this side of last year or whatever otherwise you're not cool anymore um the problem is that the problem isn't what our clothes are made of necessarily the problem is how much mm. of them we're buying isn't yeah. it yeah it it's um, why for me these big brands can never ever 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 be sustainable primark can never be sustainable zara can never be sustainable h&m can never be sustainable even though these uh, have come out with their own like green lines. Laura Whitmore, I'm looking right at you, you stupid. But um, uh, even though they're now coming out with these sustainable lines, and they have people like Laura Whitmore, who has always been kind of like a ch- she says herself a champion for like buying secondhand, and now she's partnered with Primark for their green line. No, the the whole the reason that these brands exist and why they do so well is because we buy so much from them and. That will never change because they will never allow that to change. They will never allow us to go back to buying something every season or buying something every year because then their whole business model would fall apart. And therefore, even if they start saying that they're, you know, they're only doing like organic cotton, like, and as well, this is just pure greenwashing, like all by the by, like 100%. They're they're really not doing anything um, majorly sustainable. But even if they were, it still wouldn't matter because they still need people to consistently buy, which is going to always lead to waste, which is going to lead to using more resources. It's it's impossible. It's literally impossible. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a, it's a growth model. I think there's something that, something that people don't understand about sustainability is it's as simple as if a company's goal is to grow, it's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it. You know, there has to be a cap. If, Primark and now we're take, making digs but if Primark I am making a dig it's not sustainable if Primark's clean range is so successful they start making more cotton it becomes the most successful sustainable range in the world it's no longer sustainable yeah. inherently because they're you know if it is that 99% of the planet start buying Primark cotton every two weeks there's not going to be enough fucking cotton is there cotton's an incredibly water intensive resource also, and this is like my personal like beef with all of these brands is the fact that they have like things that they can call like this is our sustainable range is just the glaringly obvious fact that the rest of your shit isn't sustainable. Like, <laughs> I just hate that's such a tag oh, yourself. It's, it's just, just at being like, like, look at these clothes. These clothes are fair trade and they, our workers were like actually paid to make them. And then you're like, and this like these three racks in your three story floor. And yes, I'm talking about the fucking H&M on Dame Street. Like, mm-hmm. are you kidding me? 
like thank you for just pointing it out that the rest of your stuff has been made by people mostly women who are not being paid properly are living in like or working in horrendous conditions don't get time off to create clothing that's going to fall apart two weeks after you buy it so that you just buy more like you are just it's it's so like it's almost you almost think that they wouldn't get away with it because it's like admitting to the fact that the rest of their shit doesn't work but no one seems to call them out on it i mean people obviously do but they get away with it like people don't stop buying from these places because of it and it's just so infuriating that you could brazenly say we don't pay people properly we don't like use best practice for the rest of our stuff but if you want to pay a little bit of extra money then you get to pretend like you like you're doing a better thing Mm -hmm. in a study on 19 to 26 year olds that I saw on Science Daily from 2019 uh, it kind of explains why there's been this movement towards fast and green (laughs) if we can call it that this greenwashing movement so this is what some guy called Helm said there is evidence that there are green materialists Um, he's an associate professor in the Norton School of Family and Consumer Sciences in the College of Agriculture and Life Sciences. Uh, If you are able to buy environmentally friendly products, you can still live your materialist values. You're acquiring new things and that fits into our mainstream consumption pattern in our consumer culture. Whereas reduced consumption is more novel and probably more important from a sustainability perspective. So when they put when we have our H&M conscious range it means that we can still happily go in and buy four tank tops that one's going to sit at the bottom of our wardrobe for two years until we decide to cut it up and then eventually throw it in the bin and we feel okay about it that's what their goal is that's what they want us to do I'll even go so far as to say it doesn't even it's not even oh you'll go into H&M I find people who do hauls of their charity shop finds every week um, or who buy like solely from Lucignac, but do buy new things like every month. Now, unless, the thing with a lot of these more sustainable brands is they don't have enough clothes made for you to do that, which is good because they're not like adhering to this. But I, when I started following loads of more environmental, like sustainable influencers, I was honestly shocked and sickened by the amount of hauls that I was continually seeing. And it was people who were going into charity shops and they were buying like bags and bags of stuff and they'd come home like every Saturday and they'd do a haul and then the next week they'd be doing the same and the next week and the next week to the point where I was like, there cannot be that many clothes left in these shops. Like, how are you doing this? When are they going to use all of these? Inevitably, these clothes are going to end up either back in the charity shop or they're going to end up in a landfill. That's the end of it. And you just because you don't buy from fast fashion or you don't even buy from the sustainable lines of fast fashion you buy from sustainable brands or you only buy secondhand if you buy that much clothing you have a problem and it's it, it's mean to say and i th- think that's where people get really defensive and i see this always on twitter that people are like oh you give out about Shein, but then you'll shop at zara and I'm like, that's going too far. It's it's people start getting really defensive over this that they're like, well, I can't afford to do the secondhand thing. And if everyone else is doing the haul, even when they're buying from like more expensive brands or they're buying from sustainable brands, uh, then I can do it too. And it honestly, I I as I said, I don't begrudge people who buy one or two things from fast fashion. But where I draw the line is if you, no matter where you're buying from, start overusing and over consuming then that's a you problem and you can't look back and say oh that's all on the brand and the brand that's making me yeah. do it no it's you 
you're overconsuming. And yes, it's a product of our society, but it's you. Yeah, I I do agree. I agree. And that's why that's why I'm so against anybody talking about the barriers. It's only some people I've kind of heard use it in that way to defend themselves. And I don't think everybody is defending themselves. Don't get me wrong. There are mm-hmm. people who genuinely can't afford it. But buy less. Buy less. That's it. Buy yeah. less. You don't. I know there are sometimes you have a job where you need to buy more. That's fine. You need to have a suit that always looks good. That's fine. Get it repaired if you can. You need to buy a new suit. That's fine. That's fine. But if you don't have a very explicit reason for buying more clothes and not because you're an influencer, not because you're an influencer. If you want your clothes to look different, put a different filter on them. I don't care. Photoshop the dress blue. Who gives a fuck? Don't buy that much. It honestly makes me feel sick. Like talking to anybody who's like, I've bought like someone who's coming home. You know, when someone is one of those people that goes out and every time they come back, they have a bag or someone when there's parcels, 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 parcels coming through the letterbox. Then you're like, that can't be. That's not. Yeah, it's not. It's not. You know, and I'm, I'm, and I absolutely <laughs> used to be that way. I don't have sympathy for. Oh, same. I know, so do I. So do I. That's why we yeah. all we're all coming from the you perspective have to of having been that girl, and it's really hard yeah. to get out of the addiction. Yeah. Do you know what you can replace it with? Fair trade chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> I come home with a different flavor of fair trade chocolate. None of it's wasted, babes. It's all going in the gob. Yeah. <laughs> There's ways you can I also got I, t- I know I am from A shopping addicted family I'm from a long line Of women who've spent That too much You know If I can break the cycle Anyone can But You can also replace it By buying loads of random tat uh, Random sustainable tat That you're actually Going to use And Don't like Don't get me wrong It's stuff that's going down the drain So I get like Fish safe Body soap And I'll get like Four of them But I'll actually use them And it's still The little boost Where I'm like Something came in the letterbox for me. Yeah. But it's being mm-hmm. used. Absolutely. I don't know. But yeah, I get so, so mad. So mad at hauls. And even seeing Depop hauls and like people still say, like, Depop hauls, not sustainable. There's also the matter of the gentrification of Depop, <laughs> which feels really silly to say. Because I think, I also think when people say things like the gentrification of Depop, I'm like, maybe you're taking it a tiny bit too seriously. Like, we don't need to make everything about classism, yeah. do we? We do. Well, maybe it is all. <laughs> anyway, we do. Yeah, sorry. Fine. But I come on, the gentrification of Depop. It is dramatic. dramatic. And it definitely it's doesn't dramatic. help getting people on side to listen to your story. <laughs> but yes, is it wrong? Very true. That's the but real it's question. N- it's not wrong. It's not wrong. Mm. But it's, it's not wrong. Anyway, so let's talk about it because some people don't know what the fuck we're talking about. Some people are like, stop, just keep, stop saying the gentrification of Depop. No, I think that's what we should do. I think we should name this episode the gentrification of Depop. We'll talk about it like in this next five minutes. We'll discuss this whole plan and then never explain it. And like if anyone ever asks us, we go, what the fuck are we talking about? Like that's not in the episode. And just until like episode 100 and then the whole episode is just Depop. But by episode 100, Depop's dead. We, us three have bought everything. you killed Depop. (laughs) We bought everything and then gave it yeah, away for we free. We bought it a big haul. Big Depop haul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The ungentrification <laughs> of Depop. We will save us all. Three white middle class women. <laughs> that's, that's, I always knew that three white middle class women would be the saviors yeah. of society. Depop has been for a few years. I'm not sure how many. 
a great way of finding trendy secondhand clothes that people are sick of and want to get rid of, blah, blah, blah. I think it was most, yeah, it was mostly, I think it was kind of started as like a clothes swap site where you go, pay me nine quid and I'll give you this skirt that I have. And they're like, okay. But now it's kind of become more like Etsy. People sell stuff that they've created on Depop. Uh, brands sell wonky clothes like Lucy and Yak have their wonky clothes deep up and none of the clothes is that wonky yes. just, just if, okay, in case yeah. anyone's not been up for it it's not wonky we got Ash's Ash's yeah. your birthday present last year was on the wonky deep up and the only thing that was missing was yeah, one care label perfect and we told you how to take <laughs> care of it yeah <laughs> we were like it's 40 degrees not 30 babe <laughs> enjoy your birthday present yeah I got stuff from Lucy and Yak I got a t-shirt and a pair of dungarees and the dungarees was just there was a slight like blue stain on one of the yellow stripes at the ankle of the the dungarees and i got them for like 15 quid cheaper than they usually are and the t-shirt i got for like a tenner normally they're 25 and it's just because it doesn't have the logo it's just a plain pink t-shirt like it's i adore Depop for that um like finding like these pieces that are like not perfect so therefore can't be sold at the full price and then you can get them and they're sustainable um and they're like Laura or Lara Intimates does it as well where they will sell like the last pieces they just have because Lara Intimates if you don't know are a brand that make um sustainable underwear where they basically order in a set amount of um of fabric that I think is about to go to waste and they create made to order bras and underwear sets and once that fabric is gone then that bra is gone so sometimes they have like leftover pieces and they just make some stuff and then it goes up online worth waiting around and seeing if you can catch something because it's cheaper it's like the the best middle ground it's cheaper this thing would be going to landfill anyway if you don't buy it um but it's still something new and it's from a brand that you'd like to support yes 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 so depop does have good purposes however now it's being gentrified by people who go into chaza shops they go in they buy loads of clothes and then they sell it off really expensive because they know the brands they're looking for. So obviously, okay, I I sound like such a Gen Z or when I talk about this stuff. Although an actual Gen Z would tell me I don't. Um, but they're looking for Y2K style. So that's like Brandy Melville, <laughs> Von Dutch, like Juicy, Juicy Couture, etc. All the stuff that we wouldn't dream of wearing these days. That was really embarrassing when we were like in the actual naughties. Um, so they go in, they buy up all these brands in particular, and then they sell them on Depop for much more expensive. Um, and also they do this horrible, horrible, this is all from this one Refinery29 article. If you type in Refinery29 Depop, look them up. Um, sometimes they go in, buy the larger items that we were already talking are very difficult to find, make them into cohorts for tiny, tiny, tiny people instead. The same Refinery29 piece makes a great point. Depop makes an incredible income income source for those with disabilities who may struggle to make money in what we may consider in general a traditional way. Um, and for anybody who finds themselves unable to work kind of like your standard nine to five working week, it might be something that allows people who are stay at home mums to have a job that for to have an income. Um, so Depop's definitely an incredible tool. It's the misuse of it that's kind of the problem, isn't it? Um, so a quote from that article in the UK they buy more you said we <laughs> cancel me We they buy more clothes per person than any other country in Europe um, and they are sending 350,000 tonnes of clothes to landfill so when Depop was just a reselling place that wasn't gentrifying fashion it was really a, an incredible thing to think about diverting any of those tonnes away from landfill it's now kind of this problem where when Depop is creating a demand for new materials, 
it becomes a different beast and it needs to be treated like any other department store. It has a responsibility for what it's selling, you know, in respect. Um, so, yeah. But it's also, yeah, we have to remember Depop is also a marketplace, as you mentioned, just like Etsy, where some sellers are selling using sustainable fabrics. So I came across a brand recently called Slow Garments. It's a woman in the UK who makes her st- makes stuff herself. She uses Tencel. Uh, and we're going to do, this is going to be a two-parter because we've realised how long it's going to fucking be. But we're going to be talking about Tencel fabric versus other ones, such as your organic cotton, your, your uh, sustainable leathers, so your vegan leathers. And we'll be comparing them because it is really hard to know. Um... But yeah, sorry, this woman makes like swimwear and stretchy tops. And Asha, I remember last year you were looking so hard for like stretchy tank tops, cute tops. She has loads of them. She's making them all herself. She's getting her 10 cell in. She has loads. And also this woman does have a really extensive size range. So that's always a good thing. Some are secondhand clothes. What's it called? Slow garments. I love that. Yeah, I do. Look it up. It's, it's And she's doing it by herself? Yeah, she seems to be just a, a one woman squad. Wow. I know. She might have assistance, but she designs it herself. I'm going to follow her. I curate. I create my Depop list very like every week. I'm like unfollowing loads of people that we're following um, purely because I just I take it like really seriously and it pisses me off to no end. The fact how like how much Depop has changed um, when I first started on Depop, it was so good like there was something I wanted I would look it up I would get it for a fair price because of course it has been used um, and it would be in a good condition and it would for me it was like just an online charity shop like instead of that person bringing their unwanted clothes to a charity shop they would just put them on Depop and yes they'd make like a little bit of money out of it and then everyone just copped on to the fact and now it's as I said I am a size 10 I am a size that is catered for in the majority of every shop in the world and I find it extremely hard to find clothes my for you page on Depop and I've told it so many times I'm not a size six I'm not a size six I'm not a size six and that's all I get I get children's clothes children's clothes advertised to me that women in their 20s are wearing because they're so small um that's a huge thing because of the whole y2k fashion trend and it's the white yeah it's the white 2k thing which yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all size four it's all size four and six and seeing size four come back you're like what it's, it's disgusting it's so many i've only follow sorry if that one thing if that's your natural body obviously no no, no shade on no, no. size four but i don't think it should be what everybody's aspiring to buying and be the only thing in the market again no yeah it's not disgusting if you are a size four it's disgusting that that is the most the, the most prevalent size and that's not because everyone in the world is a size four it's the average because it's not the it's average not, it, it's yeah. really not it's these are the people that are going on so again now there's this whole trend that is geared towards people of a very small certain size uh, i only try and follow people who are genuinely people who just want to get rid of some stuff from their wardrobe and are putting it on sale i refuse to buy from the majority of people who set up shops uh, even though there are some great people out there like you said with the slow garments I find the majority of them especially in Ireland are people who go into charity shops and buy something for two euro and resell it for 40 euro um, I also think Depop has led to an increase in haul culture it has just taken it from fast fashion straight to Depop and it leads to before I think people were like if I buy something and I have to get rid of it it's either going in the bin or it's going to charity I make no I I pay the money and I will lose money if I get rid of this and I don't repair it 
now it's I can buy this thing and I say this from experience because it's what my sister does <laughs> I can buy something and after two months wear I will just sell it for pretty much the exact same price and someone will buy it and I'll use that money to buy more and it just perpetrates this whole cycle of buying yeah. and selling and consuming more and micro seasons cloth of clothing yeah it does it, I like yeah. it's it's become kind of yeah it's as you said a different beast and a beast is definitely the word I'd use for it it's not necessarily a good thing at all it has very much at like this kind of discarding of clothes that influencers came to. And mm -hmm. now we see influencers literally doing videos that are like the, my first Depop haul. It's the greenwashing of the haul. Like that's it's just being like, well, we are taking some charity shops, so therefore this is sustainable and this, that and the other. Yeah. And you're like, you're still like feeding into this cycle of buying too many things. Like also, do we believe that these influencers are selling absolutely everything? Like Maybe, maybe not. It's just, I mean, the, the best way to do this across the board is a circular mm -hmm. economy. And you can't do that if you're feeding into like, we have to buy, buy, buy. Because in order to buy, 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 you need to produce, produce, produce. And like, yes, you're buying secondhand, but you're still relying on people buying that stuff in the first place from these massive companies. And then it ending up on your site, like to get there. So you're not necessarily removing yourself that much from it if you're just doing the same practices you were doing in fast fashion with like quote unquote slow fashion um you're still causing that cycle because it becomes a it's you know all businesses work supply demand you know and that's why my that's why I was trying to explain this to my mum on her point about children working <laughs> I was like mum if you do not create demand there will not be supply and someone will have to find a way for these children to be fed. Now, she was like, but who? And I was like, okay, that is a good question, mum. But that's a question for another day. That's Lucy, economics with Lucy 102. <laughs> so we'll, I haven't even written that, that class yet. <laughs> when I know, when I have an idea of what we can actually do about that, we'll move on to that. But yeah, it's the same with Depop. You're creating, if you're creating more demand for... <laughs> Y2K Louis Vuitton children's corset. I'm just trying to describe anything I've seen on Depop ever. Or Y2K dinosaur handbag Gucci Gucci Prada Louis V. Hashtag Y2K. Hashtag 2000s. You know, it's still supply and demand. It's not sustainable. It's that thing. It is a circular economy that, that counts. Yeah. Less stuff feeding into other things. Yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So it's kind of sad. Um, I think this is with everything though. Mm. You know, everything has its... Not everything is black and white. It's not like this is the best place to, to do it. Like there's so many things. And although I will shit on Depop till the end of time, I honestly think it's great also. Um, and it's where I, I try and get, especially now during like COVID and stuff, where I try and get the majority of my clothes. But it's just, I just have feel... I've been on Depop for years now and I just feel every time I go on, it gets worse and worse regarding sizes and condition of clothing and also the price of clothing um <laughs> it's it's just not i don't know do we need to regulate depop like that sounds ridiculous like that's the way i'm going on now I'm like we need laws around this we need rules we don't it's depop it's like just a stupid consumer platform of course we don't um but yeah but no but i'm i don't know depop do have a responsibility if you're going to have a shopping channel. It is basically just QVC. Secondhand QVC for yuppies. If you're going to have 
a shopping platform, you have a responsibility. Depop aren't some charity. They're making money off it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's profit driven. Like at the end of the day, they are like... A, a version they're a form of social media they're a shopping platform they have a responsibility to like here are the rules and you want to be on this platform you got to play by these rules and and to enforce them <laughs> like that is what th- you have to do i think we think that the internet is a free-for-all and you can kind of say whatever you want and for a large part that seems to be true but these are private platforms you have a responsibility to society when you set these up um and they're not a charity like yeah. it's for profit so it benefits them like Depop, I think, mm-hmm. is great if you know how to use it. You're looking for something specific. You uh, like have brands and people specifically that you follow and you trust. But it's definitely not somewhere that I would roam <laughs> for hours on end because you get sucked into just crazy stuff. Like you being shown in adverts things that are like not necessarily your style, not your size and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like that's not an accident. That is an algorithm that someone has created and is pushing something. And it's also like I get really frustrated and I know like women around the world have felt this way for years where trends mm-hmm. are intrinsically linked with body types. And so when we were growing up in the 90s and the noughties, it was really skinny women. Um, and you see women like starving themselves to be able to fit into these clothing so they can show off their stomach, yada, yada. And now that we're seeing that style come back, that body type is also coming back, which is like, if you are that shape and size healthily and there's plenty of people who are, absolutely totally fine but we are and we were doing it when it was like curvier women like the clothing and stuff like that had to like fit curves and then you make women who don't have those kind of curves feel like shit i was like can we not just enjoy fashion and then make it like accessible and like applicable to all body types yeah i thought i saw a tiktok earlier that was like but you're not supposed to fit into clothes clothes are supposed to fit on you and i was like yeah it's weird that we put more value on the clothes than the thing that's supposed to be in the clothes also yeah it's absolutely and just on another point, just as we're talking about the number on the back of your clothes, it doesn't matter. It's not standardized. We all know mm-hmm. that. How many pairs, like, how many jeans yeah. do you have in your wardrobe that fit you that are all different sizes? We know. We know it's a scam. Why do we keep pretending that it's mm-hmm. not? When I put on clothes that are the same, like, if I buy something and it's the clothes that usually fit me and it doesn't fit me, I get upset. Why? Why do I get upset? It's futile. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway, I think there's a lot of things that need to be sorted out, but I know it's not sustainable to be hurtful to yourself over what Zara deems to be a 28 waist. (laughs) Zara. (laughs) Yeah. Like these just massive companies who, they don't give a shit about you. They don't care who you are. They just want your money. So like a bit of perspective (laughs) is, is always good and healthy and you're not going to be able to standardize your clothes if you've got nine million factories across tehran with children making them ask a child to make a garment that's the Mm -hmm. same size the cheapest way in my opinion to do to live a little bit more sustainably in terms of your wardrobe um is to repair or to swap or to take people's rubbish which is what i do not rubbish but um as I said, I'm from a shopping addict family and my mum is the same size as me. So a lot of the time she'll buy something that doesn't quite fit her and then it's fine. <laughs> or she'll buy something and then she'll she'll go, oh, this is too young for me. And I'm like, she's like, I've missed the return window. And I'm like, well, then I would just go into landfill. So don't mind if I do. So I am very, very privileged. I'm very lucky to have two shopaholics and being the sustainable one means that you get a lot of stuff that you wouldn't have bought for yourself, but still trendy. So... 
try to get your family into spending too much and that's the real sustainable way I think yeah fully agree Tom my brother um has a pretty funky sense of style him and I can be quite similar in certain things and we um have the same size shoe so he was like getting rid of these like knockoff docks that he didn't want anymore and I was like yoink I've now had them for over a year and they're going strong um Lulu had the audacity to be really skinny for a very long time and she's finally put on a bit of weight but doesn't she hasn't gone to my size and I think it's really rude because I'm like if you could please like put on a lot more weight and then we could match and then I could steal because Lulu's got great sense of clothes her fashion is you can take her accessories when she's done with them um, no because her fingers are fucking tiny so I can't they don't fit I mean she also likes a lot more gold than I like so Lulu's a bit of a dead yeah, end Tom is where it's at Fair. although you could take rings and put them on a necklace chain just <laughs> thinking out loud here yeah not the ones she has but I do like the way you're thinking my sister is also tiny. Like my sister is a size four slash six. Like my sister is another, another, <laughs> just another level. Like there is no way in ever town that I would ever fit into her clothing. Um, sometimes there's like tops, which which buys things that are like quite baggy. But um, I did message her on Depop and she blocked me. So um, I. <laughs> I love that. Energy. I don't that think I'll be so getting good. anything soon. <laughs> I did use when we were younger and. Um, I was smaller and she was a child. Um, I would steal a lot of her stuff because I could fit into it. But then I kind of grew into a woman with more boobs and hips and she just was a straight up and down. <laughs> My sister's also 5'5 five five and I'm 5'11. Yeah. So like we're battling a lot. <laughs> it's a big difference. In terms of being able to steal, take stuff. But I had a cousin, <laughs> had, I still have her. She's still here. Um, and she's an older cousin. And so when I, we were growing up, she's four years older than me. Until I was about 12 years old, I, I used to get bags of clothing from her that like, these are the clothes we're all going. And she would have gotten them from friends and from other people as well. And then it would come to us and then we'd go through it and take anything that we wanted. And the mom would send it on to like, other friends and like we did that for years I got so many clothes from her and then I grew quite a bit taller than she did (laughs) she stopped growing at like 14 (laughs) and I just kept on going so that had to come to an end but that whole thing of being like of hand-me-downs and swap shops that I'm really here for that because I also love having pieces that I'm like I got this from this friend and that friend like it's just really nice yeah half of my clothes are ashes like everyone's like where'd you get them like ash because living with Living with Ash was great because that was when you probably had your largest wardrobe just from accumulating, mm-hmm. not from buying. And then you were getting rid of so much all the time because you were trying to slim it down. The old wardrobe. So now my wardrobe's pretty much all Ash. So again, another benefit. And me and you are also the same shoe size. Yeah, so we so were living trendy. the life when we lived together. It just meant that we had doubled the shoe. Well, it meant that I had doubled the shoe wardrobe and you didn't like my <laughs> shoes. So it was really basically the best for me. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's true. No, I love giving away my clothes. The only thing that's bad about me is that I will say, here, everyone take my clothes. And then I will never deliver those clothes to people. Um, I've got still a bit. <laughs> yeah, I'm still waiting. On I want top. to hand deliver them all because I do not agree and... The post office. Sorry, Look. don't say that because I've seen you three times since you promised me your shacket yeah. and I have no shacket. So she doesn't want to hand deliver them either. <laughs> she is an unreliable swap friend. She wants us to come collect them. I've been. Julia, I've been outside her house. Like, she has no excuse on, on my, my end. My brain. Fair, fair, fair. So our girl gang, girl gang, we are devils for a good swap shop. And because there's, there's such a wide array of people who buy different shapes and sizes of clothes anyway. So like, some some people will have really baggy clothes. Some people have really tight clothes. So I think we everybody manages to come out with at least one thing. Mm-hmm. 
from the swap shop. Yeah. Which is kind of amazing. And we definitely have men who... I've gotten a lot of men's clothes from the swap shops. I'm not sure how the men's clothes are making in there. But every time I pick something, someone's like, that's for men. I'm like, am I... (laughs) Is my gender identity my gender identity? Like, am I... (laughs) Should I be taking this as more of a sign? But uh, yeah, I think men don't do it enough. I think women are more keen on a swap shop and it's a really good way of getting new clothes and getting rid of old clothes and then you bring the rest of the bags to the charity shop I'm a big fan and I'm really looking forward to when we can do our next one although this time I'm going to be bringing a lot of stuff from old swap shops (laughs) that I didn't wear yeah I've already like there's stuff that I took and then I cleared out my wardrobe um, recently enough and I live with two other people and (laughs) One of them took like a load of the, like most of the stuff, and I was like, "That's all come from other people in different swap shops," <laughs> and it's just like it. making it's, its so way. It's so great to see that when you when you see stuff back at the swap shop, and someone else wants it from the swap shop, you're like, "We're just like sisterhood of the traveling pants." I was right going to say that. Yeah, it's it's nice, and like, yeah, why exactly. not? There's no reason not to. Although sometimes when, then when I see someone in something that was mine, and I have it on my Instagram, and they look better in their Instagram, I'm like, "No, that's against the rules. <laughs> you're not allowed to look better in it. You're allowed to own it." But you're not allowed to look good in it. No, it is great. You know, when someone looks really good in something of yours, then you're like, oh, it never looked that good on me. And it is like that kind of nice feeling. Mm. And then you're riddled with jealousy. But like for like two minutes, you're like, oh, I love that for you. And then you're like, I hate that for me though. Um, but yeah, swap shops are really good. And they are doable. And it's a good reason to have a boozy brunch. But the, they're just, they're such a fun way to spend an afternoon. You get to hang out with people. You get to see your friends. You get to come away with it with like, different items of clothing that you didn't own before or like accessories and sunglasses and hats because we like chuck everything in um so you feel like you know you've gone out and gone shopping but you didn't spend any money and you didn't contribute to landfill and fast fashion and stuff like that like it's just it's a win-win um i think we should invite more men though because i also wear a lot of men's Mm -hmm. clothes (laughs) and i would like to get their stuff from them i know one of my housemates but do we know any men who've got clothing that i want yeah we have the the guy i live with and though i really want him to get rid of his clothes because they're really nice and i want them so bad but he's not going to because he's also a sustainable king but also all these men that Mm. we're inviting do they like well they would just take from other men's clothes but then if we're taking on the men's clothes as well then do they have to take our clothes and that also then has to go into not a lot of our friends will willingly wear clothes made for female people I don't know our, our male friends don't. I, know, I don't know we've got a few like I mean I dress I dress in a lot of men's clothes or at True. least gender neutral so they get shit from me <laughs> Also, repair clothes. When they break, they're not done. I think loads of people throw out clothes when, br- when they break. I, I haven't done that in a very long time. I've had the same mango coat that's just not... It's been... I've had it for at least five years now and everybody loves it. So I'm not going to get rid of it. It gets me compliments every time. The whole inner lining had basically prolapsed out one of the sleeves. So every time... Every, and it happens again every winter. I just pull that bitch back in. So right back up. It's good to go for another winter. I'm going to have this coat for the rest of my life. The whole lining is just going to be really crappy little stitches on the inside. But this is what people think. People think sewing's hard. It's not. It doesn't even take that long. Literally get good at super value. They have those little repair kits for like two quid. Or better, get a big thing of thread in the colour that you wear. And then just when you're watching TV, whip it out. Takes you about five minutes. You've repaired something. Voila. Voila. I just tend to wear things to the death, especially shoes. I don't get rid of shoes. I keep shoes for well past when I should. I'm like walking and is a bit of like dew on the grass from like the morning and my feet are soaked. But I'm like, I don't give a shit. So like shoes I will wear until like I can no longer wear them. Um, 
And yeah, jeans. Other than that, t-shirts. I keep t-shirts forever. You should be getting rid of t-shirts. I have a t-shirt. At the very worst, they can go under a jumper if they're holy. Or they just become like yeah. pajama tops or Absolutely. gym tops. Like that's what I just change all mine into. Or you can cut them up into rags for polishing. They're actually really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I kept, I keep t-shirts. I had like, it was a long t-shirt dress when I got it and then I cut it into a cropped up. I have had it since the second year that I lived in France when I was 20, yeah, 21. <laughs> I am turning 28 this month <laughs> and I will, and it's, it's grand. There's no holes. I will continue to wear it until it is decided that it can't like physically stay on my body anymore. Yep. And that's how it should be. That's exactly how it should be. Yeah, same. I just have, mm-hmm. I have a lot of t-shirts and I keep accumulating them and when you do have more t-shirts they are going to last you longer as a collection of t-shirts the t-shirt collective I think I'm I'm going against sustainability now I'm like more stuff you must last longer but um, I haven't had a holy t-shirt in a while you need enough stuff that you can like wear it in like so that you're not wearing the exact same thing every day because that's going to make it worse you need enough stuff that you have like a couple of options and that's how you get the longevity it's a sweet spot of like having just enough that you can I say this like <laughs> looking at the pile of clothes that I have to put away and <laughs> just being like mm-hmm. um, but as long as you like you have enough things that you can like wear them sort of consistently uh, and then not be buying a lot more that's how you do it I don't know why people buy new gym leggings all the time that's something that I'm like you don't oh. need that many. Like, you just need to have, like, no, you three do. pairs. You don't. No. Okay, seven pairs if you're working out every single day. And that's the maximum. Yes, you are correct that seven is the maximum. But even so, like, you, we all know you don't need seven. <laughs> um, you can wear it, but you can get away wearing a pair twice. And I maybe I'm a mangy bitch, but watch the crotch. Everybody knows it's the crotch. That's what I, found. I feel like that TikTok is like, watch the crotch. Watch the crotch. Everyone knows that's the part that smells in the leggings. Just give the hand wash the crotch and blow dry it. I know I'm yeah. mangy. I'm absolutely dirty. You'd nearly get rabies off me. But if that means that you don't need to buy seven pairs of leggings, hand wash your crotch. Mm. I just love them. I know. I think it's an addiction thing because everyone I know who likes to work out has like oh, it is. nine million workout it's leggings. Absolutely. You get into... But it's like one of the biggest pros of working out is like getting the leggings and like being like cause, but I'm also a big believer that you're more likely to go and work out and go to the mm-hmm. gym and stuff like that if you feel good in That's the clothes fair. that you wear like it's the same logic that applies to anything else so like when I started getting really into strength fitness I was like buying stuff that works and then also I mean you have to be selective you also have to get good stuff because you do not want to be squatting and then have everything visible That's totally true. Uh, you want like decent sports bras and stuff like that so but it's the same logic applies with uh, sportswear as it does anything else buying good quality pieces that are from sustainable brands is going to pay off in the long run and is the better way to do things um but i am also just a sucker for marketing so I spent way too much money on Gymshark last November. <laughs> Everybody gets sucked into Gymshark. I'm like, as a, again, oh, as a marketer, great. I bought a, I, everything that I've been saying, I find this irresistible. I'm like, I'm going to do a little bit of research. What is it that makes Gymshark like crack cocaine? I'm going to figure it out. I'm yeah. going to replicate it. That's who I am. It's also really hard to be sustainable on a marketer because my whole goal is to get people to spend more money. <laughs> anyway, that's life. Say la vie. So yeah, repair swap them use them as rags never wear clothes become a nudist that's actually probably the most sustainable isn't it yeah I mean we yeah, can't say probably. that it's not it has to be the most sustainable to just never buy clothes so that's that on part one of our uh, guide to sustainability which is mostly just us 
bitching about Depop, wasn't it? The gentrification of Depop. I, we hope you all know what it means now. So we shall end the episode with our uh, our cop-ons of the week. Um, this is a segment where we talk about things that should probably change because they're, they have annoyed us. Uh, my cop-on this week is that last week I thought the Taylor Swift re-album that she does, I'm not a Swifty, but I thought it was going to be Speak Now. And then it wasn't and I was really sad. My cop-on this week is to all of my friends who reside in England and Australia if they could please, please stop posting photos of them out in clubs and bars and getting their hair done, I'd be really grateful. Like, cop on. There's people in Ireland who are watching this and are suffering. I can't even say this with a straight face. But please cop on. It's really mean. I want to go out and do these things and it's not fair. So just have, you know, a little bit of sympathy and cop on and stop posting things. Or post it to your close friends and take me out of it. My cop on this week is the one and only Lana Del Rey. As previously mentioned in um, this episode, following the death of Prince Philip, she posted um, three pictures of Prince Philip and uh, Queen Elizabeth with the caption, I've always loved the way they love or loved. Um, which is just embarrassing at this stage. Like, woman, get a grip. Like, take a cold shower, take a look at the world, see for what it really is. First of all, <laughs> They were related. Second of all, he cheated on her so many times. We get that your brand has been like marginally abusive relationships. And then you got seemed really annoyed about that. That like you can't say you're not glorifying abuse when you post this kind of shit. Like you just can't. So cop on, take a nap, take five, come back when you're refreshed. Thank you. I actually feel really proud of myself for not having touched that new album of hers. But I'm also so sad. When people play it and I'm like, oh, same. I wish I lived in ignorance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like even seeing it on TikTok, I'm like, that is a pretty good lyric. <laughs> I wish that <laughs> I didn't know any of these things about you, Lana Del Rey. Ash is mysteriously silent, which means that she has listened to I've the album. I've listened to that one song. When it, the that counts. One. When it was a single, not as an album. Okay, fine. Fine. You're also <laughs> off the hook. We're all amazing. Um, we haven't contributed to Lana Ray's um, Gucci collection. <laughs> I absolutely also want to shout out to everyone in those in the comments on that Instagram post, which is just largely like, please stop. You're making it really hard for us to be your fans. Um, and I really appreciate that. That people are just being like, why do you keep doing this? Just stop. Um, but she won't. So I think she's actually going to start genuinely losing fans and not just us three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah i mean the prince philip stan is you really it's a it's it's a stretch at that point thanks for listening uh we always appreciate it Um we hope that you have enjoyed it and maybe you feel sexy after maybe you don't either or uh you can follow us on social media on the instagram at at the cop on underscore pod uh Oh, yeah. and you can email us at the cop on pod at gmail.com and I think we're on Twitter yeah. at the cop on no nope. we're not we're not on Twitter <laughs> well now you know where you can find us um, we'd love it if you'd follow us wherever you are right now um, not to our homes or anything just on uh, Apple Podcasts and on Spotify and Stitcher if that's what you're using or Podcast Addict if you're kind of more indie um, 
yeah, that'd be really cool. Uh, if you want to rate and subscribe, uh, if you want to check out the amazing retailers we've mentioned, um, go ahead. You can do it. We'll probably try to put them in the show notes. If we don't, it's not very accessible of us, is it? Join us next week when we put your mum on Depop. Once. Once. Um. <laughs>